1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox.
0: My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here today with Ryan Doucette and Max Edson. Thanks for being with us. Thanks
2: Thanks for having us. us on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Since there's three of us on today, there'll probably be a little bit of that talking over each other, but uh, (laughs) definitely excited to dive in on everything that you're doing. So why don't you just start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll go first. So my name is Max Edson, one of the co-founders of of Price, which is our website that we run and also a land investor with Ryan. Originally from Hermosa Beach, California, grew up and been in the military for the past five years, actually. So as I've been going through that, um, started out in LA and i am now in Minot, North Dakota. Uh, I've been building up our our land investment business throughout the way, and so it's been a great process throughout um, the five years now. And I'm about to get out. Ryan is too, and so we're looking forward to the next chapter of our life.
3: Yeah, and uh, Ryan, you said similar story um, from California. One of the co-founders of Price uh, actually met Max in college playing playing hockey. And, uh, and yeah, uh, also in the military currently in Las Vegas, Nevada, a little bit warmer than mine on North Dakota, but yeah, <laughs> it's about the same.
0: Yeah. yeah. Las Vegas gets cold too, but probably, probably, uh, Different cold. Than <laughs> <North Dakota>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and, and so you both served in the military?
1: Yeah. We currently yeah,
3: yeah, not... do.
0: Oh, and currently do. Well, thank you for your service. Really appreciate, <laughs> you know, everything that you do for the country and the sacrifices you've made. So thank you. And uh, also very interesting to be now transitioning out. It seems like now you're looking at, you know, building up that um those wealth drivers for the future. Uh, I don't know if you know Bill Allen. Do you know of him? I he think so. has uh so he's uh not not to like, get too derailed, but I just finished his book so it's very fresh on my mind. I, I met him at an investor conference in January. Um he was a Navy pilot and started flipping houses oh, to nice. to uh be able to then Transition out of that into civilian life and uh, support his family. So uh, yeah, very interesting awesome. that you both kind of discovered real estate as that similar vehicle to accomplish that goal. So really, I'm curious what got you into real estate in the first place. Uh, we'll dive into like exactly what you're doing today, and we'll speak at length about that. But what was that first exposure? to the power of real estate? I mean, how, how do you go from, you know, having this military background and kind of meeting in college, playing hockey to, you know, having a land flipping business and a, and a website helping with direct mail and valuations?
2: That's a great question. So I know like, when I was going through my whole hockey career growing up and everything, I had no idea what the stock market was, what real estate was, really anything. And my own focus was hockey. But happened to get hurt throughout the process in college and everything. Mm-hmm. And kind of had one of those moments like, what do I do next? Um, looking for that competitive edge still in whatever I did. And so originally fell in love with stocks and, and just investing in the stock market. But realized I didn't have as much control as I would like through that. that. And so when I first got out of college, one of my friends was less or investing in land and so i I heard a little bit about what he was doing looked into it and really started to understand the power of not just land investing but real estate in general and the tax benefits the leverage out of it and then that you can take control of what you're actually investing in um and doing that and really again most of the millionaires come from real estate investing and so if a lot of people are doing there's something right about it and so i really kind of dived into it and that's where i got started originally
3: Cool. And i'm a little different where uh, my background's in software and so max and i have worked on projects together various things like cryptocurrency trading or you know back propagation for you know algorithms of, of stock market trading or whatever that might be and uh, he was actually the one when we were both living in la uh, that introduced me to this space in the real estate and it was ironic because uh, my dad's a real estate agent he's been one for 35 years and so g- growing up i've heard all these terms it just Almost tuned them out. I was like, and then now that like I'm starting to learn it all, I'm like, okay, it starts to make sense what he was talking about every car ride or something like that. And so yeah, so you know, I'm I'm a little bit newer than Max's, but
0: definitely enjoying it. Yeah, interesting. And you, you were able to grow up with it, so you have that exposure. You're kind of you're like you said, you're recalling things yeah. now from your childhood.
3: Yeah, it's like I just have a subconscious understanding of, of real estate <laughs> yeah. stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. So. Now, you, you both have gotten into land flipping, which, by the way, I love land flipping and just the whole concept of it. <laughs> you think about the before and after on HGTV of a flip where there's this house that's like destroyed and then after it's beautiful. And then you think of a land flip and it's like, here's a photo of the land before and here's a photo of the land after and it's exactly the same. <laughs> right? Like the concept of the beautiful you can, thing. <laughs> yeah, you pick something up with, with paper, you tie it up, and then you flip it. You did nothing to it and you made money on it. Like, I, I just, I love the simplicity of, of land flipping. And, and to further reaffirm the value of land flipping for my listeners, properties, as far as the, the buildings on them, depreciate, right? But the actual land is what is appreciating. And so I, I really find that interesting too is, you know, we get so tied up in the building but the land is what it's all about. So uh, yeah, I would love to just now dive into kind of what you're offering today. And you, you not only are are uh, putting together your own land flipping deals, but before the podcast was talking to both of you about how this website aspect came in. And and you mentioned that it it came in from actually a problem that you had seen and experienced going through like land flipping courses and And so I'd love for you to just retell that story and uh, talk about, you know, the, the website that you have today and then also the land flipping that you have today.
3: Yeah, and I can kind of give the background on how the website came to be. Um, so when Max and I first started getting into the space, the idea was is we wanted wanted to automate the selection process of, of sending out the mail. Uh, so that included you know pulling the leads, uh, which is we we use a website for that, but then also pricing the leads and also finding. So the key point that we started with was finding where to go. Right, there's three thousand plus counties in the U.S. and you know where do we know where the best dealers are going to be right a lot of these education programs they'll teach them in specific states like arizona or texas or florida and so those are you know almost oversaturated with with uh, people trying to do this, the same, uh, flipping, you know, business. Uh, so we we're like, okay, what if we created like an algorithm that could point us where to go like this County because of, you know, these specific metrics or, or what have you, Um so that was the original concept. And we started, what we did was we, we put the model together and it was, it wasn't like a website or anything. It was just like a thing that we played on my computer and it would just churn out, you know, go here. And to validate that, we would email other investors that we know and say, Hey, like, give us your inputs and then here's our output and tell us what you think and we would get feedback like well this is really cool like you know how, where are you coming up with these numbers like what you know what is this Um, yeah. and like we're like oh like, it's kind of cool people like it and then we uh we actually partnered up with some folks and we were like we're going to make a website using our algorithm and then they would build the front end that ended up falling through and so we were like okay well you know this was probably beginning of 2020 we were like let's just make our own website and see how it goes and what was funny was we made the website and it didn't really go anywhere. Um, so it was probably like March of 2020, you know, right when you know, COVID started and it, the website, nothing happened. We didn't get any users. So we actually moved on to something else. We, Max, and, Max and I and his brother went and started doing another project, but the website was still up. and just didn't have like a lot of features. Um, and we would get notifications every time someone would go on the website. And so like every day, like we'd see like, you know, so-and-so is logged in, and, uh, you know, the next day, like two people logged in and, you know, in May, like late May, we were kind of like, people keep like poking at the site. We were like, should we like try and, <laughs> you know, do something with it? And so that's when we went over to, you know, we kind of flushed out some of the functionality and we went over to Justin Slido with casual Fridays and said, Hey, we have this product. Like, would you mind like promoting it? and so that's when we actually officially launched or relaunched if you want to call it that um the site in the at the end of june uh, of 2020. What's the, what's the saying if no one uh, if no one comes to your launch just launch again because they don't want to know the difference yeah and, so um so yeah so that's how the, the website kind of became a, a thing and when we first started with the website even in uh, in June of 2020, it, it was nothing like what it is now. Uh, and we've really gone off the concept of let the users tell us where to go and how to, how to build it. And so we've been very open and transparent with our users about, you know, tell us what you need it to do and we will try to make that happen. Um, and so it's sort of morphed out of that into what you see today It's it's completely based off of, uh, user feedback. And we tried to stay pretty much out of it in terms of, um, our opinions of what could be added. Like we, we obviously collaborate and, you know, come up with designs, but really the the core features are based off of user feedback.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Very organic and feedback driven way to build an an online business. I I like that. Yeah, exactly. So Max, do you want to touch on the, the land flipping experience? And, and I, I really love how this solution that you came up with was problem driven because you experienced the problem and then, couldn't find the solution and created it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I probably started, um, like I mentioned, one of my friends when I got out of college was one that turned me on to land investing. Uh, he went through an educational program. So that's what I did. And when I went through it, there wasn't really a definitive way to kind of evaluate what the land value was or, or where to go. So it, it was very subjective at that point, which drove me crazy because I have a very analytical mind. And so the education was very general. And so I went through it. I did, I went, did my own campaign. And I, I basically broke even. And so from my um, perspective, it was a fail for how much work I put in there. And so I actually took a year off from that. I, I, it drove me crazy how much time I took and, and how it was just really hard to pick where we would go. And so like Ryan mentioned, we were doing some other projects and then eventually came back to this idea. And I told them that we weren't going to do this unless we found that automated way and how to do it. And so the reason why we needed a new website, first of all, is our, our website's price.com, by the way, and that's P-R-Y-C-D com. And the reason why we needed it is because we do something called like that's a blind offer campaign. So not only do we send out letters to owners and off market owners saying that we want to buy their land, but on top of that, we actually put um, an actual offer price in that letter. So we say, hey, we want to buy your land for X amount. And to do that, we need to know how much that value is for that land that we're actually putting out there too. And so this whole concept was of aggregating a whole bunch of comps together in one database from sites like Zillow, Realtor, Land, Lands of America, Redfin, and a few other sites, basically creating a model off that. So we know the valuation of each property lead that we download into um, an Excel file and then send out in a bulk mail campaign. And so because of that, it basically, we just took every single thing that we needed. So instead of going to eight different websites that I was doing before, we condensed it into one, which was our website, and then the modeling, the pricing, and the downloading and the list. So essentially, we go through our one website that would have taken 10 to 12 different other websites to go through and then send it to your bulk mailhouse to send out. So, extremely like it automated the process completely um, and fast tracked our our acquisition process because now we weren't focusing as much on generating, I guess, getting the leads up front and just basically taking them in on the back end once we have that. So, it it was it fast tracked our business tenfold, I would say, just from where we were today. And I, I don't think we would even be in the land investing space if we didn't create this product just because of how much time intensive it was and and the amount of work that is needed to go about it. So from that standpoint, it has been awesome ever since because now we just focus on the deals and we flip them again. Like if a property is a hundred thousand dollars, we'll usually offer, I don't know, three cents on the dollar. So or 30 cents on the dollar. So 35, 30% or so, and see where it takes us from there. We don't typically get them at that cheap, but we can get them for 35, uh, 50,000 on a hundred thousand. And then we flip it from there. So, And that's just one model, right? So we usually do cash deals where we're just flipping straight out, but there's other deals, whether you can do seller financing or anything else or subdivide to appreciate value, which we're also doing. So there's multiple different little subsets and niches that you can do in the land investing space. You just kind of have to figure out which one you like best.
3: Oh, that's what I add. What's cool about that too is we, you know, one of the core features of our of our website is pricing the land. And we we can almost validate that through our campaigns because we'll go out and we'll offer you know X amount of dollars. And then when we start to negotiate deals, we'll get local real estate agents to validate, you know, what their price is. And we actually compare it to our modeling to, you know, say like how close were we based off of you know data-driven models that turned out a price in, you know, two seconds versus a realtor that had to, you know, go to a different listing sites, pull comps and that kind of thing. Who also has experience in that, in that County or in that region. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool in that, in that regard too.
0: How close were they?
3: At our last campaign, we were pretty spot on on almost every property, which was pretty, which was funny. You know, the realtor would say, okay, Hey, here's like four or five comps. Um, I think you could, you know, the market value between, you know, X and Y, and then we'll go look at our reporting tool that we have on our site and we're, right in that range. Um, You know, almost, I would say on our campaign, at least 90% of the time there's it's different in different States, just because there's different challenges um, depending on the terrain or the area or the, you know, what have you Uh, size of the parcel too is important. So, um, but we were close. So
0: we're happy. Yeah. I think it's interesting with the automated valuation models that typically they are about three to 5% off. And if you're doing like a retail house, Purchase or sale for a million dollars—that's a huge delta. But on a land flip, that it may or may not be a hundred grand. Maybe it's ninety. Maybe it's one ten. When you're offering thirty cents on the dollar, it doesn't really matter.
3: (laughs) Yeah, the margin of error becomes a little bit wider,
0: or the acceptable margin of error becomes
3: a little wider. Yeah. And a
2: lot of people end up starting with the lower value property. So um, they'll do like $2,000 to $5,000 property starting out. I actually look at that as more risky than doing the larger deals. And the reason for it is that sending out mail isn't necessarily that cheap. So whether you're you're targeting properties that are two to five thousand dollars versus a hundred thousand dollars, the mail cost stays the same. So not only are are you reducing your cost from that from just like a whole generalized perspective, but then like you had mentioned, if you're offering uh, thirty thousand dollars on a hundred thousand dollar property, the the profit in there is bigger. So you do have a little bit more margin of safety built in there too. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. So so let me bring it back down to. Earth for my listeners, because we've talked about a lot of different things here. And if I were a new land investor, never invested in land in my life, maybe I've read a book, maybe I've heard a podcast, I have a hundred grand to deploy in the next six months. I'm out of the stock market because it's super volatile right now and crazy. And I want to get into some real estate, but I've heard about this land thing. I could go to price.com and essentially like find out what state to invest in as well as send mail to active properties based on a valuation and send a blind offer that's like a third or maybe half as much as as that valuation. And then in maybe a couple months, have a property tied up after that mail has sent out and I'm getting phone calls for it? Is that reality? Is that That, that accurate? Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's very accurate. I mean, really within two weeks time. So you can download a list from us, send that out. Usually you'll get, start getting calls um, or however you have your leads getting brought back to you within two weeks time. And so, I mean, once you go through that, we do everything with title and escrow. So that takes a little bit of time, a couple of weeks in there too, but yeah, you can realistically have a property tied up within a month of pulling a list. No problem at all.
3: And we and we yeah. have some really great partners through our site. We have educational programs. We have CRMs. We have you know mailing services, call services. So a lot of the resources that you know normally you would may be maybe like, what do I even need to get into this? You know, if you come through us, at least we'll we'll kind of provide that information. Say, hey, start here. You know, here's a great education. I'll teach the steps with us being a part of that that process. You know, from pulling the list all the way through, you know, closing on your first property, and then obviously selling it or whatever you choose to do with that property at that point.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So and
2: Ryan, sorry, and to Ryan's point too, it, it is always best to get some sort of education first to understand um, the process too, cause we are the website. We don't necessarily have the education piece, but to Ryan, what he mentioned, we have partners that do. And so just to understand that kind of go through the learning curve, it is a really good way to just know the overall process. So you're kind of de-risking the situation as well.
0: Right, right. Risk, as Warren Buffett says, comes from not knowing what you're doing. So you're offering a tool, but once you have the land actually locked up under contract, you should probably have an exit strategy and know what you're doing uh, with that land, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, that makes total sense. I'm curious about your entrepreneurial journey and and some of the habits that got you to where you are today. So I guess I'll go Ryan first. What's the single most important action that you've taken on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success?
3: We were just thinking about this before too. I would frame it from how Priced was built because I think that's that's probably the most successful product Max and I have built together. Um, And it definitely came down to listening to our members and trying to do anything in our power to give them what they needed. right? Because I think one of the failures we had in the past was We built a huge, you know, complex application that we loved, Max and I did. We thought it was great, but we didn't get any input from anyone else, right? And at the end of the day, if you're selling a product, you're not the one that's going to buy it. And so that was, you know, it was actually a really good failure because that was something that we experienced right before we started doing this project. And so we had that that mindset of, okay, if we're going to build something one, it needs to solve an actual problem, right? We can't just do it because we think it's cool. But two, you have to make sure that you're listening to the people that are going to use the product, um, and I think that that translates, you know, in the form of quality customer support and a product that people feel like they have ownership of, right? And, you know, like if you go to you know use a, a tool and you say, hey, it would be really great if it does this, and two days later it does that. You feel like you're contributing to the success of that tool as well, not just being a you know all along for the ride.
0: Right. Yeah. Interesting, Max. I want to give you some extra time to think about that question because I have a follow-up <laughs> question for Ryan. Yeah. So, of so of on that that feedback loop, what system did you put in place to create that client feedback loop? Because studying marketing and best practices for growth companies and and really scaling, a big part of that is user feedback, right? And so I've heard about systems like net promoter scores, client surveys, like how are you collecting the data, like the physical actual system or tool that you're using? And then also how regularly were you meeting on it with Max or with your team to say, hey, you know, not just like this one user had this one idea, but like 10 users said the same thing like this should probably be a feature and this is like yeah. a high priority feature, right? Like how are you doing this?
3: Yeah, so we were very sporadic at first and it was chaotic. We opened all avenues of communication when we first launched the site. So we had you know a bit built-in chat, we had email, we had our phone number, we had Zoom calls, any way we could connect with a user, we tried to. I think at the time when we first started it was mostly through Zoom calls um, that we gathered information. It was usually Max that one on t- one, on one, talking to folks, um, and then Max would take notes in you know on a Google Sheet or a Google Drive, uh, you know, Word document or whatever. And then at, at the end of the week or at the end of the month, we'd actually sort of rack and stack and organize, you know, different things, start to highlight where we saw like consistencies. We're saying the same thing, and it's and you said it exactly right. when we saw that, you know, ten or fifteen people kept saying the same thing over and over, okay, then we need to address this and see like, how can we solve this problem? Or how can we add this as a solution? Or, you know, what can we do to, to, you know, create this? And we did that for, for, you know, the first six months, you know, pretty much was all just that. It was just, you know, open all channels. And then we started to slowly try, try and tighten tighten the leash a little bit. So we, we got rid of the chat, we got rid of the phone. We tried to scale down the calls and put it all through a support system, like a ticketing system. And the reason that's important for us is that we have a, a record. It's already logged of what people are asking. You know, email is easy to go back and search, right? If it's on a phone call, you, if you don't take, you know, impeccable notes, you might lose something that they said. Um, and so we really try and enforce staying in the written, in the written form for a lot of our, our communication. Um, part of that is because what I'm mentioning, like, you know, you're tracking it. It's also like max I being in the military. We work during the day. So it's very hard to take calls and, and do that. So, you know, it kind of works both ways for us, but, but yeah, we have, you know, we, or we, at least we used to have a very large, uh, word document that just had everything, you know, feedback and, and what have you.
0: It's a novel. Like, yeah, I mean, it was, it
3: was really cool though, because you start to, you start to see patterns and, and you start just, and you know, what's really cool too, is you get these really interesting ideas sometimes, you know, and Mm -hmm. we've, we've implemented stuff that maybe only one person says, right. But you know, someone will say something and then Max and I will talk about it, you know, during our weekly sync. I'd be like, that's kind of cool. Like, we think that would be, uh, you know, a cool concept. I think, you know, like the, the comp report tool, which is one of my favorite tools, was kind of based off of that, where someone's like, hey, it'd be cool if we had this one thing. And, and we were like, we kind of ran with that and added it. And then once we added it, other people were like, hey, this is cool. Could it have this? Could it have that? So kind of right. presenting the initial idea and then that allowed for more feedback.
0: Absolutely. And certain advanced users will say something that just because it came up one time doesn't mean it's a bad idea because they're deep in your tool, like asking really quality questions and coming up with quality ideas where the beginners and newbies wouldn't even get there yet right yeah it
3: it helps for both of those things right and and so we don't mean to disparage new users in this way but we do look at the level of experience more so because if you're new and you come to our site and you're confused about something that indicates to us that we need to make it a little easier or have more explanations you know max has a great job of creating like you know a catalog of youtube videos and you know i'll put links on stuff just because we want to make sure that If they have those questions, then we're not doing a good job of explaining it. And then for the experienced investors, it's like, hey, it should probably do this for these reasons. I've seen this in the past. Okay, we're going to take that into consideration as well and see if we can facilitate uh, that information.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's super cool. Well, great answer. I love the closed feedback loop and and just continuing to receive feedback from your users, then building a product for them. I mean... 90 plus percent of like products and businesses exist and have no market to buy them right like people just think it's a great idea and they invest all these resources and time and money and energy to create a product and they haven't even done like the market research to discover if there's a market for it yeah and then also to keep the finger on the pulse of the market as it evolves and needs change to continue to evolve the product so good on you there um definitely a, a success habit that got you where you are. And I, I like the how the system has evolved. At first, it was like, call me anytime, 24-7, yeah. here's my cell phone, here's, yeah, my, pretty much. here's my home address, to come by for a coffee. <laughs> and then uh, now, now it's like a t- more structured ticketing system. Um, you know, Definitely the stages of, of a startup that I've experienced as well. So back to Max, I mean, I think you had like good eight, 10 minutes to think about the answer to this question. So it, it better be a good one. But what's the single most important action that you've taken on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success?
2: I think honestly, this it's very simple, but it, it's really powerful. It's just writing down a list of tasks to accomplish throughout the day. So a lot of the times you'll go throughout the day, but not really sure of what you're trying to get done to really kind of push your way forward. So what I'll do in the morning is I'll wake up and then really think about what do I want to do to whether it's bettering our business or something else to really propel forward. So just writing down that list and just having a, a driven goal to get what I need to get done is really helpful. And then it can um, along with that is to really kind of sequence out my time to know what I need to do and when as well. So that, that has been super helpful. And again, just like little baby steps, nothing too crazy, but like little tiny projects every day can add out to a really big thing in the end. Just because we do so much incremental building each day and in each week and each month, that it really helps kind of prioritize things. And so that's been really helpful and just being consistent in your work. So there's a lot of times you, you hear a business owner or entrepreneur and it sounds really sexy, but underneath the surface, it, it's a lot of hard work and it's not always fun stuff to do. And so just knowing that you have to get done the tasks that aren't the, the sexy tasks, um, whether it's just admin work or just like putting stuff into folders, it really helps you stay organized. And again, it allows you to do the bigger things when they come up. So that's probably been the biggest thing for me that has helped me at least been successful, like moving forward, at least in this project and than others in the past and learning from those mistakes.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. The list is key. I mean, just putting down on paper what's in your head, but then I think you mentioned like then putting it onto your calendar and like scheduling it and, and yeah. that, that next step is is really... The, the critical jump to, you know, where, where things are scheduled, they actually get done, yeah. but if they sit in my head, they'll, they'll just keep me up at night. And if they're on the list unorganized, it's a step. It'll maybe make me go to sleep and like get it out of my head, but it's not yet scheduled into my calendar for a time to do that task. So yeah. yeah super and and even
2: to, even to take it a step further, but like pushing yourself to not just have like an, an hour block of one certain task, um, really pushing yourself to get it done, as quick as possible but still not where you're just rushing it as well because i don't know what the official saying is but if you give yourself three hours for a task it'll get done three hours it'll take three hours yeah so like just really pushing yourself to do it faster than what you think that you can too but not in again where you're rushing through it and you're going to have a a bad product in the end is a great way to look at it too
0: yeah Max and i
3: used to compete (laughs) <laughs> uh, when we were first, we had a, a system for all of our we, tasks and we, we always want, we sign, sign off each other's tasks. So we know when things are getting done. And sometimes, you know, I'd put a task in and say, Hey, like this is done. it would be like 11 o'clock and Max would be like, well, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to let him be the only one doing stuff. So, hey, so then he would jump on and start doing stuff. And then he would put it back. I'm like, well, well I'm not going to let him one-up me. So then I'm like, I'll pick up another task and stay up till 2am.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It nice. That switches
2: us forward. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a little healthy competition there. Of course. Exactly. Nice. So you talked about the different exit strategies for land. And one of the ones that I've heard, which is interesting, is the seller financing, where, you know, you you basically offer 30 cents on the dollar for a piece of land. You, you know, lock it up and you put a down payment, you know, get some financing, get it all lined up, and then you go, you go seller finance it to someone else you basically instantly recoup your down payment, and then you have a recurring uh, revenue coming in. That's one, right? But then there's like the the flip model, and where you actually, and, and I love this one, it takes a little longer, from my understanding, but you take a raw piece of dirt, and then you work with the zoning and the subdivision to force appreciation, and then you sell it to a developer or a contractor, and I'm sure that there are other exit strategies as well. But I'm curious if you have a favorite.
2: Right now, our favorite is just the the cash flip. Uh, it's just the simplest. Uh, like we mentioned, like we're we've been in the the military for five years. We run priced, and then our land investing business. So we were just going with the simplest models that we can do in in each. I guess model or business that we have to make sure that we're running it appropriately but I would say we're moving more towards the subdivision model so that that's just a way to force appreciation so if you can get it for cheaper than what it's worth and then also force appreciation and you have that a little bit of it, it'll take a little longer cuz you have to go through the the planning process but you have the opportunity to make a lot more profit in there. So that's been, that's, that's the direction that we're going in, but each one is profitable. And really there isn't one right way to do it. We have so many people doing um, all three of the options that you just mentioned. And it really comes down to what's your personal preference. Like I I can give you an example for one of the deals that we're going through. Now we bought for um, it was roughly $72,000 in cash and we have it listed for one sixty nine. dollars K on the market right now. And so we just had a seller come or a potential buyer come through and say, Hey, I'll give you 80,000 down. And then seller finance it out for five years at a 6% interest rate. So we'd get about a couple thousand back every month um, for five years. And so we essentially accru- our initial down payment or our initial cost. And then we have a essentially like infinite cash flow for that five years on a return on investment basis. So we, we're going to do that. But then again, from a, just this whole business is really velocity of, of land and, and money and everything. So we ended up getting a deal where we just flipped it for 160K instead. Um, so you can get your money back quicker and then put that to work again. So it really depends on what you're doing. One's going to be a slower burn but it builds up a cash flow if you do want that that passive approach to your your business model one's just about getting as much cash as possible and building up your your basically your your assets under management so it really depends but the cash Flipping has been what we've been doing so far, and we're moving into the subdivision where we go through the property. What's great about our platform, uh, our website, is that we can see and determine if if we're buying a property that's 100 acres. We can look at what the average price is for 20 acres, 40 acres, 30 acres. And so we can see where we're able to maximize that split to get the most out of it in the end. So that's been a really valuable tool to go through that. And again, it does take longer, but instead of flipping it for, I don't know, 75 to 100% ROI, you can
0: do two, three X on your money and it just takes a little bit longer. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's uh, something that, like you said, it's it's easiest when you can just buy something and flip it and you know get the cash back, get it back to work for you, do nothing to the land. I'm curious if you have much experience with the taxation aspect of this because when you're doing things that quick, you're getting hit with capital gains, right? Unless you structure it properly, get creative or, you know, are doing 1031s just one after the other, after the other, after the other. So are you comfortable talking about that? Do you have some some, uh, wisdom to impart my (laughs) listeners with?
2: Yeah, and again, just for all listeners, I am not a CPA. I I can't give financial advice or anything. This is not financial investing advice. (laughs) But from our personal experience, so as a a flipper, like a land flipper, you cannot do a ten thirty one exchange if you're doing it quickly. They look at that differently, so you'll actually get hit on that. Um, So that's out the window. And so it it is taxed as a a short term capital gain in, in our scenario. There are certain ways you can go about it if you count it as inventory versus not. But there's different models, and especially if you're doing it as um, as full-time, you can take the real estate title in there and then you could offset it with other more passive investments if you're doing some sort of depreciation with like limited partnerships and multifamily. So you can offset it in different ways. I always recommend talking to your accounting or, accounting or accountant because they're going to give you the best advice and, and the proper advice to go through it for your certain situation. But there's different ways you can go about it. It really isn't necessarily the most tax friendly because- when you invest in a house, it's the house that's um, depreciating, right? So you can write that off. It's not the land, the value underneath it. When you're just flipping land, there's nothing to depreciate. So you do have to look into that and see how it fits into your overall investment model. Again, like I mentioned, if you do want to pair it with something else on the side where you can take that depreciation to offset it, but it's going to vary for each person. That's why some people do kind of gravitate towards that passive investing where they they put money down, get their initial investment back. And then they go with that passive approach where it's a little bit, probably more lenient on the, the taxes where it's, you're not going to get a, like your capital gain. Um, it's not the short term.
0: term. Yeah. yeah. So one idea that I have, just as you were discussing that, it came to me. Have you ever tried doing an assignment similar to a wholesaler and assigning a contract rather than doing a double close?
2: We haven't. Um, It's definitely a popular thing to do out there between the double close and the assignment deal. Typically just for what we're doing. And again, like how I mentioned, we just try to keep it simple in our personal business where if it doesn't fit our criteria, we just let it go. We do know some people where they only do assignments where they just say, Hey, got this flip it or give it to someone else, basically buy out the contract. But it, it hasn't been our model and necessarily throughout the process so far, at least.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was just curious about that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the benefit is that, you know, you're not getting hit with that short term capital gains. You're just basically claiming his income and you can then do, you can write off all kinds of stuff against that. Um, but, but then the double close, the value is that the seller doesn't see how much you're making on the deal. <laughs> yeah. So there's also that factor where <laughs> when they see you're going to make 70 grand on the deal or whatever, then they might, they might kill it. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat, but, uh, you've yeah. definitely come up with a, a valuable tool in the space. I mean, your user's, are giving you such great feedback to then go deploy and, and develop a better product day by day that, uh, you know, I can only imagine that what this will be in a couple of years. So really excited for you guys. And uh, I'm curious if there's a question that I should have asked you or if there's anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier.
2: The only thing I would say is, again, like if you are invested or interested in land investing, yeah, please check out our platform price It's really unique and especially because if you go to Zillow, Realtor, Redfin, any of those MLS listing websites, you're not going to see if you look up land, any sort of valuation on it. Um, So where our core competency is really where we kind of got started in land is that we're able to give you that valuation. If you are looking for a fair and reasonable price to either buy it just at market value or do something similar to what we're doing, where we're flipping the land. So it's a great opportunity. Either way, um, you don't have to do a blind offer. You can do neutral letters where you just basically send out to the the owners and say, hey, I'm interested in buying your property. So it gives you a little bit more leniency in, in negotiations so there's a lot of different approaches you can take. The first step is really getting that education piece. If you visit our website, we have um, partners in place to do that. And they can come through our platform. We're always open to taking feedback, like Ryan mentioned. Again, we, we started just like everyone else, right? Um, and, and we try to treat all of our users like that and understand that there, there is always a place that you have to start and build up. And we want everyone to succeed. So uh, again, we're always open to questions and helping people out throughout the process.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate having both of you on. We have uh, Ryan Doucette and Max Edson from Priced, and that's P-R-Y-C-D dot com. And uh, also, obviously, it's intertwined with their land flipping business. So very interesting stuff you have going. I, I especially like how it's it's user and problem driven. And, uh, you know, might check it out myself, try and go do a land flip here. So I really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us.